husband says that I'm supposed to obey him. When man called in about hating the Hallmark movies. We have struggled to resolve a lot of conflicts. I really don't want to be a nag. My goodness, there's got to be a better way than this. Welcome to Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, New York Times bestselling author of The Five Love Languages. Today, it's our Dear Gary broadcast for June as Dr. Chapman takes a variety of questions about relationships and real-life struggles. We have some love language questions to get to today and a couple of responses about spouses and movies. And for the first time, Gary... You will get to be a movie critic. All that and a whole lot more coming up on this edition of the broadcast. If you go to buildingrelationships.us, we have more simple ways to strengthen relationships, including our featured resource, 52 Uncommon Family Adventures, simple and creative ideas for making lifelong memories. Randy Southern helped you compile these, Gary, and you and your family go on a beach adventure every year, don't you? Absolutely, Chris. The second week or the first week of June, the whole family gets together. We go to the beach and we just beach. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? Do you just walk up and down the beach and get in the water? Yeah, yeah. Or sit there under the umbrella, you know, and depending on the age of the kids, of course, when they were little, we would build sand castles on the beach and and of course, get in the edge of the water. And as they got older, we get further in the water. <laughs> well, our kids have great memories of the beach because we do that every year. Of course, you know, I did other adventures with uh, just individually with my son, especially every summer from the time he was about eight years old. He and I would take two days and just go somewhere together and do mm-hmm. something together. Uh, so yeah, uh, this this book is a great book for families that just want to do something different. That and it doesn't have to be something like a vacation or you know, exactly. something like that. But a lot of great, uh, simple ideas. Some of the the conversations that you have in here are you know just simple as thank you cards or hide and seek or a pillow fight or bowling with a twist. So library, I have a scavenger hunt at the library. It doesn't have to be uh, expensive. You don't have to go outside of your house or even your town to have some of these adventures, right? You're right, Chris. And that's why we wrote it that way. There are things, of course, that would take a little more time and so forth, but there are many of these things, very, very inexpensive, and you can do them wherever you are. You can find out more about 52 Uncommon Family Adventures at buildingrelationships.us. Again, go to buildingrelationships.us. All right, it's time to get to your calls. First up, a marriage in trouble because of a biblical disagreement. Here we go. Hi, Gary. My husband says that I, as his wife, am supposed to obey him. And I'm just wondering if that is true. In this aspect, my husband is talking about everything. I wanted to give my daughter water, and he doesn't want me to at that time, or he wants her to go to bed. Um, And I try to say, well, she's thirsty, and he says, I'm being disobedient for doing that. Um, I'm just wondering why my husband says he's better than me. I don't see anything in the Bible about that. And he tried to tell me that basically I'm only existing for his pleasure. And I hope that maybe you can give some insight to help me with this. Thank you. Well, Chris, can I just say this before I answer that question? 
I am deeply grieved when I hear wives who have husbands who, who take this concept and call it biblical. It's, the biblical concept is exact opposite of that. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ is our model. He gave his life for the church. A husband, biblically, is in a marriage to give his life for the benefit of his wife. (sighs) You know, I understand where some people get this idea because it says the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. But they forget to recognize what the head of the church did. Yeah. He died for us. When a husband takes the Bible and beats his wife over the head with it and says, you're supposed to be obeying me, you know, he's missed the whole point and the whole atmosphere of a Christian marriage. God made us for each other, you know, and he said that, that the husband and wife will become one flesh. It means we're going to share life with each other. We're partners. We're on the same team. And emotionally and, and physically and spiritually and emotionally, we're sharing life with each other and doing everything we can to build up the other person. Uh, when, when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, he said to them after he finished, you call me Lord and you're right. But in my kingdom, the Lord serves others. He was taking the servant's job. If we love our wives, our attitude is going to be, honey, what can I do to help you? Uh, How can I make your life easier? Uh, How can I be a better husband? We're we're there to serve her as Christ serves the church. And I'm telling you, I don't know if there are any wives that would ever leave a husband who has that attitude toward her and is the attitude of Christ. And in Philippians 2, it says we're to have the attitude that Christ had, that though he was God, he didn't demand his rights as God. But he emptied himself and became a man. And when he got on level ground with us, he emptied himself even further to death on a cross. Let this attitude be in you. So I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I would hope that this husband could somehow find someone that could communicate to him the truth about Scripture, of the husband's role in a marriage. Yes, we are the leaders, but we are servant leaders. And that's what our wives need. And when we do... Typically, the wife responds in loving us. And yes, she's there for our benefit. Yes, yes, we get, but, it's, but it has to go both ways. And the husband should be the leader in being a servant. Hmm. And the, the illustration that she gave about her daughter, you know, he wants her to go to bed and you need to obey me. And, you know, if you're a loving husband or a dad, you want to hear from your spouse what she knows, because a lot of times she's more connected with the children than than you are, or vice versa. So you're not saying that now you know she calls all the shots. No, you're doing this together. So with that uh, as the the framework, what does she do with this situation with her husband? We hope that he will hear the truth, you know, from from you today. But if he doesn't, what does she do? I think ideally it would be good if she and the husband could talk with a pastor about this concept. I don't know if he'd be willing to do that with her or not. If not, I think if they're involved in a church, if he's not willing to go with her, I would say she would go by herself and just say, honey, I want you to go with me. 
because I really want us both to hear, you know, what the pastor has to say about how this works in a marriage. Uh, but if you don't go with me, I'm going to go myself because I, I really need to. I really need to understand this. I want to do what the Bible says, and I want to understand this. You know, I, I, that would be taking a step, whether he's willing or whether he's not. You would be taking a step in the right direction. Our program is Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, and this is our Dear Gary broadcast for June. If you have a relationship question you'd like to ask, call our listener line at 1-866-424-GARY. Keep your question as brief as possible, and we'll try to address it here on the program. That's 1-866-424-GARY. Our featured resource today is the book by Dr. Chapman and Randy Southern, 52 Uncommon Family Adventures, Simple and Creative Ideas for Making Lifelong Memories. You can find out more at buildingrelationships.us. Again, go to buildingrelationships.us. We get questions at times that refer to callers from previous programs, previous Dear Gary broadcasts. And a few weeks ago, there was a question about Hallmark movies and how one spouse likes them and the other doesn't. Here's a question and a first for this program, a song excerpt. Here we go. Hi, Gary. Thank you for your podcast. I love them. Um, I was listening to one, and one man called in about hating the Hallmark movies. And I wanted you and this man to listen to the words, love you like the movies, lyrics, and it's by Anthem Lights. They write a song. It's really cute, and it's talking about this guy having a date with his girlfriend, and she picks the same movie every um, time, every Friday night. And it's really funny. There's a lot of humor in it, and it speaks about a lot of the things that you recommended for this man. I think you would enjoy it as well. Friday night, date night, I say pick out what you like. I don't care as long as you're here. Surprise, surprise, ain't that nice? Same old chick flick, 18th time. You know the one with that guy. Halfway through, look at you, smiling like you always do. And I can't help but just stare. Cause suddenly it hits me as I watch you make believe. I wanna make this your reality. And if you be my leading lady. Grab your hand, ask you to dance In the middle of the street Learn to sign cheesy lines Like baby, you complete me And in case you forget Where we've been and what we did I'll write it all down, read it out loud Again and again I promise if you let me I'll love you like the movies Well, Chris, I'll have to admit I haven't heard that song before <laughs> <laughs> but I do find it interesting. <laughs> yeah, she wants, she sees the same old movie. This is the 18th time. And he sees that movie man smiling and sees her smiling. And he's saying, I want to make that reality, not just a movie. I want our relationship to bring that smile to your face like that, which is a wonderful idea, you know, that he, he wants to find ways that will make her happy. 
I think it's a great concept for a husband to realize that whatever the wife is asking for, if she does the same old movie every Friday night for 18 times, uh, obviously it's not a movie maybe that he uh, appreciates, or maybe he's memorized it by now, but he would like to see the same smile on her face in the way he treats her that he sees on the smile on her face while she watches the movie. Yes. Now, the negative side, I can see your brain spinning, too. The negative side of that <laughs> is that what you see in a movie is usually not the reality that, you know, you the day-to-day reality of everyday life. You know, it's not like the movie. But I think the heart of it is I want you to feel real love, which is what the five love languages is all about, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think in, when we're sane... <laughs> We would like to meet the emotional need of our wife and or our husband, but and the, and the love languages helps you do that, because you know what makes you feel loved may not be what makes me feel loved, and if I can learn your love language and I want to meet that need and see that smile on your face, then I learn to speak your love language and you yes. do the same for me, yes. and when we do that, we're meeting one of the deepest emotional needs we have, and uh, yeah, there's so many things in movies that are that are not realistic. Uh, but one of the things that is real is our need, emotional need for love. And it's true whatever age we are. But in a marriage, it's extremely important that we learn how to meet the other person's need for emotional love. There's something in, in this case, the wife. There's something in the wife that is touched emotionally deep inside by this film and something, the feeling that she gets from that. So what I would say, and I think you'd agree with me, Gary, is if you're the guy and you say, not this movie again, a really good question would be, so what is it about this movie that touches you on the inside? What, what, why do you keep coming back to this, do you think? And not an accusatory, why in the world yeah. are we going to watch it? You know, but why, yeah. why do you keep coming back to Why do you think you keep coming back to this? And if you ask that question and then you listen my guess is you're going to hear something from her heart that you may not have understood. I think you're exactly right, Chris. That's a great question to ask. And the listening part is so important. You're asking and then you're listening to what she's saying and you're thinking in terms of, oh, so that's what the movie is doing for you and what it's communicating to you. How, how could I do that to communicate my love for you? Well, he's moving on a positive track when he does that. If he just criticizes her for the same old movie again, I mean, he's just making life miserable for himself and for her. All right, let's stay on the movie track. And another caller has a question, but this time things are reversed. Here we go. Hi, Gary. I just listened to your most recent podcast. And um, in response to the question, the Hallmark movie question, where the man's wife watches Hallmark movies and he doesn't care for it, I've got a different situation. My husband likes war movies, violent movies, thrillers, and those are on most of the day. What's your thoughts on that? And also, Gary, I will say that in, in her call, she mentioned that there are movies that her husband watches all day that have a lot of nudity in them as well. Mm, yeah, so yeah. war movies, violent movies, thriller movies, nudity, what do you say? Well, I think if I were talking to him in the counseling office, 
I would ask, what is it about violent movies that interests you? What does that do for you emotionally to watch violent movies? Because something is going on inside of him that even makes him attracted to those kind of movies. Now, the nudity thing is another whole issue because that leads into pornography, which is always detrimental for a marriage. And it's all too common today. In fact, one of the deepest pains that a wife feels is when she finds out that her husband is, is, is addicted to porn. And she's crying inside. Why does he have to turn to an unreal world when I'm here and I want to be his wife? If that person were open to sitting down with someone who could ask honest questions of him, he might come to understand himself better. Uh, she will not understand him better until he would be able to reveal what, what, what is it that causes him to, as it were, if it's, if it's every day for hours, addicted to movies that have violence in it or nudity in it. So I think getting to the root behind what motivates that, Chris, is the ultimate answer. Now, whether he'd be willing to go talk with a counselor with her about that, I don't know. But it would be worth a try. She can't change her his behavior, though. Let's say he's watching in the living room and she walks in the house. It, it's it's on, and the noise, you know, if it's a war movie, usually those rumble the walls, you know, because the of the explosions and all that. You, yeah. you can't just, I mean, you'd have to go outside the house to get away from it, right? Yeah, yeah, you would. So she's she's being forced to hear all this stuff, even even though she's not, not watching it with him. And I don't know, Chris, you know, whether he is a war veteran or not when it comes to war movies. I think a person who has been in the war uh, may be more drawn to see that because he sees himself in that. It's kind of a reflection of what he went through. But there are violent movies that have nothing to do with war. You know, and those, those are ones I have more trouble personally understanding. Right. Uh, why, why would someone want to spend time watching people shoot each other and run into uh, and wreck cars? And <laughs> I just, but this is just a personal thing. I just never could understand why anybody would want to spend time watching that sort of thing. And yet they're very, very popular. Right. So is a good tactic for her then when he's not watching something to sit down and say, okay, the same question about, you know, the, the Hallmark movie. What is it that draws you to this? Help me understand a, a little more about you, again, non-accusatory, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Yeah, I think that would be a good place to start. And he may or may not be responsive. I don't know. It depends on probably the nature of the relationship right now. If it's a healthy relationship and she asked that question, he probably would try to think and, and answer the question. If it's a trouble relationship, he may take it as, you know, she's just being critical of me. Right. But it's always better to ask in a kind way than just to simply sit there and, and say, well, it, it bothers me, but I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to get into an argument. Right, right. Well, if you have a reaction to those questions or something else that's going on in your relationships, here's our number, one 866 424-GARY. You can call and leave a message and you might hear an answer on the future program. 866-424-GARY. Here's a wife who feels at a breaking point in her marriage and it's because of the conflict in that relationship. 
Gary. I just have a question. Uh, my husband and I have been married uh, for a little less than 10 years, and um, we've run into what seems like an impasse here. Conflict resolution has not been his strength. We have struggled to resolve a lot of conflicts, especially, you know, larger ones, um, due to just continual defensiveness on his part, deflection, and just dismissal of my feelings. Now, we are seeing a therapist, marriage Christian therapist, and it's been going okay, but um, it's just gotten to the point where I feel like I can't really tolerate anymore. I'm not exactly sure what to do. I understand that there isn't much that someone can do when the uh, significant other is not willing to change or at least recognize that they're, they have this uh, consistent issue um, in resolving conflict, but it's making it extremely hard for a Christian woman as myself to submit to someone who's dismissing of my feelings. I would be more than grateful to take any advice that you can give. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Well, first of all, I'm glad to hear that you are seeing a Christian counselor because I think there's real hope, and I would not bail out on the counseling as long as he's willing to go with you, even though you may not be seeing the progress you would like, I would still go with him to counseling as long as he's open to going. And I would be honest when you're in the counseling session about your own struggles and your own feelings, because uh, an outside party can help both of you understand each other better. So I would continue that as long as he's willing to do it with you. I think uh, another approach would be... uh, to ask him, would you be open to reading a book on marriage? Uh, Maybe just read a chapter a week and uh, ask ourselves, what can we learn from that chapter? Because most marriage books will deal with conflict, uh, among other things. But if you're working through a book on other topics as well, and, and reading that chapter and then saying, what, what could we learn from this chapter that might be helpful to us? And I think uh, sometimes a husband's open to that. Uh, if you just do a chapter a week or a chapter every other week, don't ask him to read a whole book, you know, <laughs> just chapter by chapter. Uh, but if, if you begin to do that, it gives you a context in which to discuss a particular topic about marriage. And among those topics is going to be conflict resolution. Uh, Now, the counselor will be able to determine what's going on inside of him that makes him so uh, demanding that his way is always the right way, Uh, because that's never, ever a healthy pattern. Every marriage has conflicts because we're human, and humans don't have the same thoughts. They don't have the same feelings. They don't have the same history, and consequently, we're going to have conflicts. There's nothing wrong with conflicts. But if we approach conflicts that we're going to be the winner of every argument, then our spouse becomes a loser. And that's what this wife is expressing. I just feel like you know I, I'm a loser in his eyes. And, and, and that, that's not healthy for a marriage. If you win, she loses. If he can understand that conflicts are normal and we have to learn how to listen empathetically to the other person so we begin to understand what their thoughts are and what their feelings are, and then affirm them. You know, honey, I can see how you'd feel that way. I, th- I can see how that makes sense. You know, now here's my perspective. And then, and then maybe you get to the place where you can honestly say, okay, now how can we solve the problem? Obviously, we differ on it, but how, we're on the same team. So let's not fight each other. Let's learn how to play together. 
Uh, you know, conflict resolution is a big issue in any marriage. And most people enter marriage with very little knowledge of how to resolve conflicts. They just know they want their way. Well, that's selfishness. It's the opposite of love. Love is always looking for an answer how we can work together as a team. So I'd say uh, counseling and working through a book like that would be two practical ways that you're more likely to find an answer. We have had some difficult calls. Before we take a break, how about a little humor? Our next caller is wondering if the sixth love language might be firewood. Hey, Gary. Your book wasn't around when I was growing up, and the second girl I dated was a redhead. My dad's method of handling women was to raise his voice and kind of use his temper to get his way. And I tried that with her, and she exploded. And I can still remember going out to the car to leave her house. And I thought, my goodness, there's got to be a better way than this. Uh, The little bookstores here didn't have much of anything, so I was out of luck on that. Uh, Another thing that happened later was uh, I had this girlfriend I was trying to figure out how to get her to stop being so suspicious of me, thinking, you know, I was just out for one thing. So uh, she had mentioned at some point that she needed firewood and something about that. You know, it's been a few years. I can't remember exactly what she said, but I didn't really think anything about it until about a month later. I was thinking, well, i got to figure out, let's try something different. Well, I've been giving her gifts and stuff, and she thought, you know, that I was just trying to manipulate her. So I went and bought a truckload full of firewood and stacked it up behind her house, and uh, I did do it secretly. Anyhow, uh, when she noticed it, she just went crazy and thought I was the most wonderful thing. Of course, that you know, eventually I proved that I was the most wonderful thing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I thought you might just enjoy that for a relaxing moment. Thanks for the work you do. It's really terrific. God bless you and Chris. Bye. <laughs> well, I appreciate that call. You know, firewood. Uh, when we look, think of the five love languages, that's two things. One, it's a gift because he bought it and, and took it to her. It's an act of service because he stacked them up so she could easily get to them. So he was speaking two love languages, Chris, <laughs> that. But I'm also glad that he learned that his father's way of you know, demanding and speaking louder to a woman, trying to convince her, is not the way to go. Uh, it didn't work in his dating relationship. It certainly doesn't work in marriage. Uh, husband is not there to demand that his wife do anything. He's there to love her as Christ loved the church. We talked about that earlier. And when we do that, we're likely to find a wife who will reciprocate and show love to us. This is Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman. We've talked about the love languages today, and if you would like to take an assessment of your love language absolutely free, go to buildingrelationships.us. You'll find more simple ways to strengthen relationships right there at buildingrelationships.us. A featured resource today is the book by Dr. Chapman and Randy Southern, 52 Uncommon Family Adventures, Simple and Creative Ideas for Making Lifelong Memories. Does that sound good? You can go to buildingrelationships.us and find out more about 52 Uncommon Family Adventures. Again, go to buildingrelationships.us. The love languages, what a great concept. But when your spouse won't speak yours, well, here's our next caller. Hi, Gary. My husband and I have been married for a year and a half and are big proponents of the five love languages. 
We have a great relationship, but I feel like he has a hard time speaking my love languages, which often leaves me frustrated. He speaks his really well, which is acts of service, but it doesn't do much for me. I much prefer words of affirmation and physical touch. I get really frustrated when he's not verbally or physically affirming me or seeking me as much as I would like, which I'll admit is a lot, uh, but I find myself demanding love from him instead of focusing on his needs and trying to give love. I really don't want to be a nag, and I just want him to love me how I need it without having to remind him. How can I encourage him to speak my love languages, and how can I feel encouraged to speak his when my cup is empty? Thank you so much. Well, it's an all-too-common situation, uh, Chris, where a couple is familiar with the love language concept, but one of them is not, for whatever reason, speaking the love language of the other person. And there are reasons for that. First of all, I think her understanding what the reasons might be would be helpful. That is, if he doesn't speak words of affirmation, maybe he didn't receive words of affirmation growing up. So it's not natural for him to share words of affirmation. It's something he will have to learn to do. So it's much more difficult than just saying that he's not doing that. The other factor is his personality may be what I call a dead sea. Uh, You know, (laughs) the dead sea doesn't go anywhere. It just sits there. And some people have that kind of personality. And he may have that personality where he he didn't have any compulsion to talk. He's just happy to leave things in his mind, just sit there. So he's influenced by his personality. Of course, what I like to point out is we're not controlled by our personality. Uh, We're influenced, but not controlled. So I think a good discussion about this with him, maybe you've already tried that, uh, just to say, uh, honey, you know, we read that book on the love languages and we took the quiz and I really feel like that I'm trying to speak your language with acts of service. I mean, do, do you feel you feel like I'm loving you uh, through acts of service? And if he gives a positive, then to say to him, well, you know, mine, well, at least one of them is words of affirmation. And I don't, I don't feel like you give me many of those. And, and I don't, I'm just wondering, you know, kind of how you feel about that. See, if you can have a good open conversation, and it says that you're getting along pretty well, so you probably have a, a positive atmosphere, uh, that could be helpful. Here's another approach. You say to him, on a scale of 0 to 10, how much love do you feel coming from me? And he gives you a reading. If he says anything less than 10, you say, well, what could I do that might make you feel more loved? Now, you do that a few times, and chances are he'll start asking you that question. He won't, he won't respond the first time, but you ask that over a period of time, about once a week you ask him that question. I'm going to guess that at least within a month, he will ask you the same question. On a scale of 0 to 10, how much love do you feel coming from me? And you can say, honey, now I'm going to be honest. I don't want to hurt you, but I'm going to be honest uh, about a four. And then the question is, well, what can I do? to make you, make you feel more loved. And then you tell him on that particular day what would be the most important thing. It may be words, it may be physical touch, but you just tell him. So it's just a little way of opening up a conversation by asking the other person. You know, I use the love tank. If you want to use the love tank instead of how much love do you feel coming from me, how full is your love tank on a scale of zero to 10? So I, that would be a good place to start as well. Uh, But I'm glad you're concerned about it, and you should be, and you've been married a year and a half. This is the time to be dealing with it rather than just going on for, you know, another year, another six months and all and acting like everything's fine. We don't make things better with ignoring them. 
And uh, when we bring them up, it might be a little uh, a little rough while we're talking about it, but it's better to be talking about it and trying to find answers than it is to just ignore it uh, because it gets worse if we don't deal with it. Now, there's a skeptic who's listening who's saying, I caught Dr. Chapman. I've known for since I've heard about this that the five love languages is manipulative. You just proved it when you said you say this for a month and then he's going to say this. So you are manipulating him. What do you say? I would say you are influencing him. And all of us are influenced every single day by the people that we encounter. We have a negative influence on people or we have a positive influence on people. We're not making people do anything but we are all influencing other people. And here's the biblical concept. Love stimulates love. The Bible says we love God because he first loved us. Somebody has to initiate love. And when we feel loved, we are drawn to the person who's loving us. So it's just a, it's just a reality that love stimulates love. And any one of us can choose to love the other person Because this kind of love is not a feeling. This kind of love is an attitude. I want to enrich your life. I'm married to you. I want to help you become the person that you believe God wants you to be. And that attitude then leads to behavior. And we choose our attitude every single day. I think you just answered that skeptic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you did. Uh, And if you are the skeptic and you want to call 866-424-GARY, ask your question today, or there's some other uh, relational struggle that you're having, 1-866-424-GARY. Boy, when I heard this fellow's voice in this next call, I, I just, my heart went out to him. What do you do when the rug gets pulled out from underneath you? That's at his heart. Let's hear the next caller. Hi, Gary. I moved across the country for my fiance, and I love her very much, and, I, and I've done a lot, and we've been through a lot. And recently, and this is the second time this has happened, she tells me that she's, you know, had feelings for another man, hasn't done anything with her, with him, but has had feelings for another man, and, and she feels guilty about it. And after all this, she's saying that she doesn't want to hurt me anymore. So she doesn't want to be in the relationship. And I, I feel like it hurts me more for her to leave. But I also understand how she feels. But it also puts me in a real bad position because I have no support out here. Um, I'm pretty scared on what's happening. And I would uh, I just really appreciate your opinion on this. Thank you, Gary. Well, first of all, I'm empathetic uh, with this caller because it's very, very disappointing when you have romantic love feelings for another person. You're dating them, and apparently, he said, my fiance. apparently they've, they've talked about marriage and, and, and agreed to marry someday, and now she's breaking up the relationship. That is a very, very painful experience, and there's no way to take away the pain. I mean, it just it's just there. We have to walk through the pain. And many of us have been through those kind of experiences. Uh, and we later look back on it, and we're glad that they did break up with us because we realize that had we gone with them, with, with other things in their personality, would have been bad for us. Uh, you know, that's why I wrote a book some time ago called Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married. And I've had couples who say, you know, we began to work through that book 
And we decided that we would, we would we, we want to end our relationship because there were just things that we were too far apart on. So we all, in our culture at least, tend to be uh, make decisions based on these romantic feelings that we have for the other person. And it's, it's real, and it's wonderful. But those, those kind of feelings that has the average lifespan of two years. They, they don't last forever. Uh, and that's why sometimes we ignore uh, other things about the person that that we don't pay attention to, and we make poor decisions, and we end up marrying somebody that later on we realize, oh man, there's things here I didn't realize. We 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 differ on so many things. So I would say, uh, if she's choosing to uh, call off the relationship, I would say first of all you have to accept it uh, because you, you you don't want to marry somebody that's you're trying to make them marry you. No, that's not good. So I would say just recognize it as one of the pains in, in relationships. And if people uh, date, they're likely to have at least one breakup along the line. And uh, of course, you're isolated out there. You don't know anyone. You know, the best decision may be to go back to where you do know some people, uh, where that's home or wherever. And yeah, some people might question you and say things to you about why did you come back and all that. But Listen, face reality, accept it, ask God to help you. And if you know Christ, let realize that if this is what he allows to happen, her walk away from you, ultimately, it's going to be for your good. The pain is hard. It's going to take time, but you'll come through it. And there may be somebody even where he is now, if he hasn't relocated at a church, of uh, a man, a pastor, some men's group, you know, people yeah. who could come around si- alongside him. And with technology, you know, you can you can see people across the country and talk with friends. But that, that that's what scared me the most about his call. Not that she pulled the rug out from under him, but that he was so alone with this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's very, very difficult when you're alone and you don't have anybody that you can talk to about it. So if you have some old friends back home, you know, contact them and and spend time talking with them, FaceTime with them, and to share share with them. Don't don't carry the burden by yourself. If you don't have close friends back home, uh, what you're saying, Chris, is a good idea. If you're not already involved in a local church, get involved. There's probably a men's group there. And, uh, and you'll find somebody that you will feel free that you can talk with and share with. It may even end up being the pastor, or at least begin with being a pastor. This is Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages. Our featured resource today is 52 Uncommon Family Adventures. Find out more at buildingrelationships.us. That's buildingrelationships.us. Addictions will affect your relationships. Boy, will they ever. What about this situation that's brought up by our next caller? Hi, Gary. Uh, My question in regards to uh, the five love languages is, how do you uh, navigate around a partner who has an addiction to gambling and trying to sort that out so that our relationship can grow closer? Because I know his love languages and he knows mine, but we get tripped up when he falls prey to his gambling, which is obviously affecting our relationship. Thank you. Have a good day. Chris, you know, any addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, gambling, or anything else, will cause a problem in a marriage. Because when we become obsessed 
And that's essentially what addiction is. It's an obsession with something that you have to do it. You're just pressed to do it. And usually because it brings some sense of pleasure to you. And, you know, alcohol, drugs, yeah, there's a moment of pleasure in that. But obviously it's tremendously destructive. Uh, gambling is, is, is similar in that same sense, in that there's a positive something that he gets from that. If he wins, maybe it's that thrill of winning. But you can't make somebody break an addiction. But you can share with them the hurt, the pain that this causes you. And you can ask them if they would be open to talking to a Christian counselor about it. Again, many times as a, a person who's addicted, it's not willing to go talk to somebody about it. I know what I want to do. I'm going to do it. Don't tell me what to do. Well, that kind of attitude about anything is destructive in a marriage. So I would say, don't hit him over the head. Don't, don't preach to him. But let him know your feelings about it and how it affects you. If you can recommend a counselor or a pastor by giving him a name and a phone number, you're at least making it easy for him to call somebody and to make an appointment. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ignore it and just let it go without talking about it anymore because it will ultimately get worse. Any addiction gets worse. It never just gets better on its own. The person has to come to the end of themselves and realize, I have got a problem, and I need to get help on it. Any addiction can be broken with the help of a counselor or the help of God, but it, it's not simply going to go away just with the passing of time. So I would not ignore it. I would try to lovingly confront and encourage him to reach out for help. And if you don't know of anyone in your area who is a Christian counselor or a pastor, then I would call a, a local church and ask if they know anyone, any Christian counselor in the area who might help with this sort of thing. It's not that difficult. You can also go online, American Association of Christian Counselors, aacc.org. I think that's the website. And put in your mailing address and they will tell you the Christian counselors in your area and give you the contact information. That's really good. I find it also helpful when people tell their stories. And I think we've even had this here of husband and wife telling, you know, one person had an addiction for this or that. And to hear their stories into how they in real life climbed out of this. But I, you know, gambling is ubiquitous now, Gary. There's so many rules that have been taken away, not just for the casino, but, you know, sports gambling. Uh, we'll give you $500 and you can do this. And I saw one person on Facebook say, I had to give this up. And he said, it wasn't because I was losing money. It was because I was winning. I'm really good at this, you know, predicting mm -hmm. these sports things. So you can get really good and you can make money at this. But he said, I, I saw what it was doing on the inside. I was thinking about it all the time. And I don't yeah. want to live that way. Yeah. Uh, and you can't make somebody see that, can you? No, you can't, Chris. You can pray that God will open their eyes. If you know someone else who has had that addiction and is now on the other side of that, uh, 
for trying to bring them into play and let, let your husband talk with them. Uh, that could be helpful because, as you said, personal stories often can have a positive influence on another person. That website, again, is aacc.org. We have time for one more call. Oh, the loss was so hard. The lack of answers was even harder. Here's our final caller today. Hi, Gary. My question is, uh, I'm grieving the loss of a friendship uh, that I have. I had no explanation for it whatsoever. Just cut off with no explanation. It still brings me to tears when I think about it. Uh, I've reached out and asked, did I do something? Did I say something? I want to know because I want to ask for forgiveness. Just a very short, curt answer was nothing, nothing on this end or whatever. And that's it. No contact, no nothing. So I'm grieving that loss. Just wondering if you have any advice. Thank you. Well, you speak of the value of friendships, first of all, because they are valuable. We are made to live in community. And so when you have a close friend who just shuts you off all of a sudden, uh, it is very, very painful. And when you ask, you know, if I've offended you or let me know because I want to ask forgiveness, you, you've taken the right step. Uh, you can't make the person, you know, tell you what you've done or haven't done. And in this case, they're saying nothing, you know. And on the other hand, you don't know the mind or the heart of the other person. There may be someone else in their life that has given them information or, or, or at least ideas as to why they ought to break off with you. You know, sometimes it's a, they're, if it's a married person, sometimes their spouse is complaining that you're spending so much time with so-and-so, you know, and they've, they've heard that so long that they just decide they're going to cut it off. So you don't ever know what's in the other person's mind. But obviously, if you do what you've already done, that is reach out to them and, and offer to, to deal with whatever you may have done that's caused them to make this decision, that's the first step you can take. And sometimes that's the only step you can take. Sometimes at that point, you simply have to release the person to God. And you're essentially saying to God, Lord, you know how much this friendship meant to me, how close I thought we were, and you know how deeply I'm, I'm hurting in, in this situation now. If there's anything else that I can do, please bring it to my mind. But if not, then I want to release this person to you. You know what's going on inside of them. I don't know but I want to release them to you. And if you have to do that every day for a while, just I want to release them to you, Lord. I release them to you. You love them. Work in their heart, whatever need, whatever they need. Work in their heart and work in their life. And just recognize this is a loss that you've experienced in life. We will all experience losses in our lives. Sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it's a, a, a spouse that walks out on us. Sometimes it's a spouse who dies. Sometimes it's a child who dies. Sometimes it's a job that we lost. Uh, But we're all going to experience losses throughout life, and every loss is going to be painful. we're, We're human. We're emotional. It's going to be painful. But when we've done everything we know to do on our side to try to heal the relationship, whatever it is, if it's a death, of course, we know they're not coming back. They're dead. But it's going to be painful. But we can walk through the pain because there is life after the loss. And God will walk with us 
you know, through the pain that we're experiencing. We're not denying the pain. We're just sharing it with God. And if you have other friends uh, that you're close with, you can share the pain with them as well. And maybe there's someone else that can walk with you through the pain because they too have likely experienced loss. I find the story of the prodigal son really helpful here because the the father must have felt the same way, you know, grieved at the son who went away and squandered you know, his inheritance, but he was ready. You know, he was ready mm-hmm. for that just on the on the glimmer on the horizon of him walking back there. So you can be ready for that friend to come back and and find some resolution, but may, that's no guarantee. It might not happen, and that's really hard. Well, it is hard, Chris. But uh, you know, when you've done everything you can do, which she which she has done when she moved out and, and offered to make restitution, you can't force somebody to stay in a relationship. We're human, and even though people make very very poor decisions, people are free to make decisions. Before we conclude today, I want to give you our number where you can leave a question for Doctor Chapman one eight six six. 424-GARY. This is not a counseling line. We can't call you back, but we'd love to hear your question, maybe in response to something that happened here today. 866-424-4279. And don't forget our featured resource, 52 Uncommon Family Adventures, Simple and Creative Ideas for Making Lifelong Memories. You'll find it at the website, buildingrelationships.us. And next week, an amazing story of life in the midst of a cancer diagnosis. Don't miss our summer best of conversation with Colleen Chow in one week. Big thank you today to our production team, Steve Wick and Janice Backing. Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman is a production of Moody Radio in association with Moody Publishers, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for listening.